and uh, we start again this month. Amen. 1 Samuel 23, if you have your Bibles tonight, 1 Samuel 23. And uh, we are, we're going to go to the Word of God uh, in just a moment, 1 Samuel 23. And I'm going to read just a, a few verses from there uh, in a minute. But you know, one of the, one of the uh, trends that I've noticed recently is that Many churches are building um, cafes into their foyers. And uh, um, it's actually uh, happened that recently, um, Luke and I, we were, we were, you know, we look around for other buildings and things, and we saw a building, a church building, as, as a matter of fact. And we went, we just parked there. We said, let's go inside and have a look, and just have a look and just see what they're doing. And it was interesting, when we went inside, that, uh, the, the, you walk into the cafe area, and the, uh, the auditorium, if you like, the church area, was to the side. And you can't help but notice how the cafe area was at least as big as the seated auditorium area, if not bigger. And it made me think about this concept of building cafes into a church. And it's, it's a nice concept in some ways. It's a nice idea the problem with that, though, is it does away with a very critical element of Christianity called fellowship. And I want to speak tonight about this very important element of fellowship because the church world is veering away from uh, genuine, uh, true, healthy, beneficial church fellowship and uh, becoming an in-house non-service orientated, paid thing that, we, that they do. And so I want to preach about fellowship tonight, but let me just begin. There's a, perhaps a none more famous Christian painting than the Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper. And we know that the picture of the Last Supper is Jesus and the disciples, they're there and they're around the table and the world is fascinated by the Jesus and the disciples and their last meal together. And Jesus and his perhaps closest friends enjoying some time together. And the paintings of the Last Supper have gone through many contemporary versions. And there's much discussion about the religious application of the painting. And uh, the, how many know the painting's all guesswork, by the way? There was no photos. And, and there, were, there was no painting in the day. It's guesswork. But it's interesting to me the context of what was happening at that meal in light of tonight's message in what they were doing and why. And they were perhaps in this painting that is famous all around the world and people admire it and love it and do contemporary versions of it. Here we see some friends, stable mates if you like, disciples together in close friendship with each other and the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus himself discussing the ways of the cross, the resurrection power and the mandate of the gospel. And all of this, all of these most significant issues, all of this discussed around a table and a simple meal. And here Jesus is setting the scene for what could become uh, the biblical practice 
of friends gathering together in spiritual conversations, centered around a meal, and here decisions are made, uh, things are dealt with, they're inspired, they're helped and encouraged, things are clarified, destinies are established. And I want to link this to our text. In our text, we're going to read a similar situation in the Old Testament, though, where friends got together and greatly encouraged each other They made decisions, commitments were made, covenant before the Lord. And all this happened in the context of friends and fellowship. I'm going to preach a sermon tonight. It's called simply that friendship and fellowship. And we're going to look at this in 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 1 Samuel chapter 23. We'll start in verse 14, read down to verse 18. The Bible says, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness... And remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord and David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his own house. Amen. Let's look firstly tonight at the gap in life. And it's interesting because for many of us there is this gap in life. There is this missing element of life that is friendship and relationship and in the context of Christianity it's it's fellowship with one another and the reality is tonight that many people are lonely many people live lonely lives and we don't know it because we are a flush with fellowship opportunities and and opportunities to spend time together and eat together and enjoy company but there are listen let me tell you there are many many people who live lonely and sad and disappointed and rejected lives you, know, you only have to do a little bit of door knocking if you ever if you ever game enough do a little bit of door knocking and you'll realize how lonely people really are you know, I was reading uh, today I was reading about a guy who's dog um, had to have surgery and you know sometimes when dogs have surgery they make them wear a big plastic collar around their neck so they don't bite themselves where they had surgery and so this guy he said um, uh, he said so that my dog does not feel lonely I'm going to also wear a plastic collar so the dog's wearing this big plastic collar so he put on this big plastic collar and walked around with it everywhere and, and he and the dog were like for like. And he said, I just don't want my dog to feel lonely like I sometimes feel lonely. Strange, yes. But simply highlights the loneliness, the, the gap in life, the loneliness that people feel. And people feel stuck in their situation. They have very few friends And they do not enjoy the comforts of regular fellowship that many of us do. One of the real benefits of getting saved and joining a church is that God really does take the solitude and set them in families. You know, solitude, the solitude of the lonely. They're the the isolated, they're the separated. 
not necessarily separated from all people, but you know, you know, you can be around people but still be lonely. That is those who have no godly friends. That is those who have no real, unique, genuine, trustworthy relationships. And God brings us into a setting, getting saved into a setting where we can enjoy fellowship and friendship with one another. This word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. That means having communion, connecting with and having communion with God and with others. And we enjoy this fellowship, communion with friends and family in Christ and we are blessed by each other's company. Psalm 55, 14 says, We shared sweet fellowship together and we walked the crowd with the crowd into the house of God. And listen, you cannot, you cannot put a price on what we have in terms of fellowship. You cannot underestimate the value of sweet, sweet fellowship around the table, enjoying a simple meal together, discussing the things of God and in communion with God. The psalmist calls this sweet fellowship. It's like he's referring to a, a taste of honey. And in those days, sugar was not plentiful. To touch honey was the most sweetest delicacy that you could possibly get your lips around. And so he's saying, man, it's just like a taste of honey is the enjoyable, sweet fellowship that we have with one another. It means pleasant. It means enjoyable. And an even more accurate understanding of this phrase is that it becomes sweet as we enjoy fellowship. Or in other words, in the company of others and friends and faith and the presence of God, things get better as we fellowship. It's almost like he's saying here that a weight is lifted off, that there's, there's, there's a comfort, that life becomes better when we fellowship. Life becomes pleasant again after we fellowship, which highlights the power, the power of friendship and fellowship. Romans 15.2 says each of us is to please his neighbor for his good and for his edification. You see, the real benefit of sweet fellowship is for the good of others and to lift them up and to make them feel good again and in turn you feel good again. Romans 1.12 says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You know, I, I can vouch for that. And I have no doubt some of you can as well. I've been to your house for fellowship and I walk away from there thinking we are, well, I should speak for myself, but we are, I feel like we're mutually encouraged. And I leave there, I leave there um, blessed and encouraged and in faith. And he says, both yours and mine, we're encouraged in the faith. And Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. You know, some of the greatest moments of refreshing and encouraging, at least for me, have come in fellowship. And so let me ask you some questions tonight. Do you practice Christian fellowship? Some say, yes, pastor, I love to eat. And I'm not asking tonight, I'm not asking, do you go to other people's houses 
But let's flip that. Do you host and do you practice hospitality? Do you host and do you practice hospitality so that you and others are mutually encouraged? Do you host people? Do you have people to your house? Do you consider those in need? And it's not talking about those without food, although there is an occasion for that to help those who are perhaps hungry, but that's not the necessarily the reference here. That's those who are in need spiritually. That you would look around and go, who could I invite for fellowship, it, even to my meager existence, to my small apartment, uh, to, to, to a coffee shop, whatever you can do. But do you host some, some, uh, a fellowship so that someone else could be encouraged, their spiritual life could be revamped and be boosted, and they would enjoy the hope and the fellowship and the excitement of that uh, that we often feel. Let's look secondly at the great encouragement. In Acts chapter 2.42, the New Testament church started and accelerated with a large group of people getting saved and then the Bible says, and many were added to the church daily. And a key aspect of a growing, healthy, encouraged church is foundational, a foundational Christian principle of faith that is inseparable. This, a growing Christian church, you cannot separate that from the element of fellowship. Let me just read that to you in Acts 2, 41, 43. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Everybody say Fellowship. And he then goes on to explain a bit about fellowship. He says, In the breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all of this, you think about all that took place there in this New Testament, thriving, growing, encouraged church, all took place in the context of fellowship. And again, this is this indispensable aspect of Christianity. Listen, you make a great, great mistake in clearing out your church and building a coffee shop. That's why we don't do that. We, we want people to open their homes and practice hospitality and, and clean and get ready and prepare and go to some effort and serve and love and help people so that we are mutually encouraged that you feel like, man, I, I, I served and I blessed and they were appreciative and grateful and they love my toasted sandwiches and we're both encouraged. Listen, if you do this, you're going to see growth, both personally and numerically. The Bible says those saved, they gathered together. Some got baptized. How many know you can do that in fellowship? There's water. What forbids me? You have a bathtub? What? You have a backyard, you have, hey, there's, there's water and there's large puddles of water everywhere. Tomorrow you can do a baptism. <laughs> and, and, you know, you can baptize people at a fellowship. You can do that. Hey, listen, it says, and then some got baptized and then more people got saved. People witnessed that, more people got saved. Then they discussed the things of God. They ate something. 
Then they prayed and they saw many signs and wonders. And I have no doubt people were filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, you, you can baptize people in the Holy Ghost in fellowship. You can do that. You, and then it says, and they saw many signs and wonders. You can pray for the sick in fellowship. You can pray for the sick over a, a backyard barbecue. You can do that. So let me ask you a question. Does that kind of fellowship describe your fellowships? And I'm not sure that every single fellowship needs to be like that, but at least some of them should be, where people are getting hearing about God and they're discussing the things of God and they ate something and they prayed and they saw some miracles and signs and wonders or at least heard about that. And again, not every fellowship needs to be all of that. Some of them definitely should be. I remember a few years ago, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I were, uh, were, we were out and we had come home and we parked the car and we, we, as we're walking towards the front of the house, there was a roar. Like a, and we're, we're thinking, what the heck? What, what is going on here? We didn't know that, uh, we, we didn't, we didn't know that they were having a, a, a party in our house. We're out. And so anyway, we came home and uh, well, there's a roar and we walk up to the front door and it's like a subdued roar, but not a, not a party roar, but just a, a, there's a sound. And there, as we approach the front door, we kind of went, wait a minute, wait, wait, they're having a prayer meeting. And it was a fellowship slash, slash prayer meeting slash worship service. And so we, I said, Mom, wait a minute, don't, don't go in. You're going to disturb. We looked in through the window and there were people sitting on the floor. They were singing songs. They were weeping. They were repenting. They, they were crying out to God. They were getting their hearts right before God. People were greatly encouraged, listen, in friendship and fellowship. And let's come back to our text for a minute, because in our text, like many people, David was in desperate need of some encouragement. Verse 14, David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. In other words, God didn't let Saul kill him at this point in time, but listen, David's doing it tough. Life's hard for him. His living conditions are not great and he's no doubt lonely and perhaps tormented and frustrated and needs fellowship and like-minded believers. How many know we all need fellowship and like-minded believers? Because Saul, the Bible says, is pursuing him every single day. This is, he's, that's why he's living in the wilderness. That's why he's living in the mountains. The threat of Saul and his men are after him every single day. And listen, some people, they live constantly under attack. They are constantly under assault and they are desperately in need of a friend and fellowship. And you might not see it and you might not know it and you might not recognize it from the outside. And I'm sure David, he was not moaning. David was not looking like a homeless bum there in the mountains. He was doing his best. But Jonathan said, you know what? There's a guy who needs some help and I can help him. You know, some people, some people are just pursued. They're pursued constantly. Every day they're pursued and it's unrelenting. And what they need is someone willing to meet them, someone to invite them in for lunch or for dinner and talk to them about the things of God. Verse 16, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, 
went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. That's very important. That in fellowship, that they are strengthened. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But he said to him, do not fear. The hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. I'm going to help you. And you're going to be king over Israel one day and I'll be next to you. He says, even my father Saul knows that. This is a powerful, powerful picture of the blessing of friends and fellowship. There's something very powerful about Jonathan being there, about God's presence, about a word of prophecy, about a word of insight into his life. Again, all in the context of fellowship. And the Bible says that his hand was strengthened in God. That means that a good friend, a good friend and fellowship can comfort us against all fears by considering the power of God and the goodness of God that is for us and He is with us in every situation. Which is why fellowship at each other's houses is so important and must be part of the Christian life. So let me give you several keys to, the good, to good fellowship is number one, the the number one key is this, open your home and you invite somebody. Don't wait for an invitation from somebody else. You You think about our text, David was greatly blessed by a friend who would meet him And, uh, you know, they're there and they meet together in this situation. Listen, it's not about, it's not about your home, but your hospitality. That you can cook, you can clean, you can serve, you can make people comfortable, you can direct the conversation to godly things, uh, and you will be blessed, and they will be blessed, and the Bible says, and David was strengthened. In other words, another word for that is David could fight on. The challenge for you and I tonight is to invite somebody to your home. Some people who, um, there are some people, you've been to other people's homes hundreds of times, but you don't open your home. For whatever reason, it's too small or this or that, they're all excuses. Nobody cares. Invite one or two people. Sit on the floor, have toasted sandwiches. No problem. I love it. But listen to me, listen, if you never open your home and you never invite people to your home for sweet fellowship, you are robbing yourself of blessing and encouragement. So number one, open your home and you invite somebody. Number two is understand it is not about food. You think about our text here for a minute. There is no mention of food in this narrative. And some suggest that perhaps Jonathan probably would have taken David some food. He went to meet him in the mountains and he probably would have taken him some food, but that's certainly not the focus here. In fact, it's not even mentioned in the text because fellowship, good, rich, healthy fellowship, in Acts, the Bible says they, it's almost like a throwaway. We broke some bread, we had a little snack and we moved on. We got on about the things of God. Fellowship is not about the food. And again, I want to encourage you, just if you're going to have fellowship, just keep it simple Keep it basic, keep it inexpensive, keep it doable. Then you can enjoy the fellowship and not be a slave to the kitchen and to the dishes and to cooking skills or lack thereof and your pride. Because fellowship is ruined when your pride is on the line 
because you're so worried about how good your meal is. Again, we don't care. Well, I mean, we all enjoy a good feed, but we don't care. Baked beans on toast is fine. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they ate together. Listen, notice, notice something. It was a bit of lead bread. Maybe a bit of uh, hummus. Who said that? Hummus, that's it. Made of a bit of tabbouleh or something. Or They took some lead bread, a piece of lead bread, broke it up and said, here, have a bite on that. It'll give you a little bit of energy. We'll keep talking about the things of God. They shared it. And they get on to doing what's important, what they know to do, talking about the things of God. So, number two, it's not about the food. And then number three is you've got to keep it Christ-centered. Listen, if you're not talking about the things of God, all right, listen to me for a minute. If you're not talking about the things of God in fellowship, it's not fellowship. It's lunch, it's dinner, it's food, yeah. Let, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you had fellowship with your work colleagues. It would be strange if you did ever. Right? When was the last time you had fellowship with your work colleagues or unsaved people? Never. Right? Because listen, listen, if fellowship with believers is no different to a meal with sinners, just minus the swear words, it's not fellowship. Good fellowship, sweet fellowship, encouraging fellowship involves keeping Christ at the center and the conversation always comes back to Jesus Christ, His Word, His truth, the things of God, a testimony, miracles, preaching, the Word of God, witnessing, outreach, evangelism, pioneering, destiny. It always comes back around to these things. And that's what makes fellowship encouraging. That's what helps us to enjoy the richness and the blessing of friendship that you can leave refreshed spiritually. So let's look thirdly at the God factor. Because there really is a Holy Ghost dimension involved in true and real and rich fellowship when you get together and it's centered on the things of God. Again, Psalm 55, 14, we shared sweet fellowship together. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. And, and, and there's just such a, such a great dynamic, such a powerful thing when you have sweet fellowship with one another. And then it's like, you know, you have Sunday service and you go and fellowship. And then in the evening, you're walking into the house of God to go, yeah, man, I feel on fire. I feel good. I feel blessed. I feel encouraged. I feel helped. And the preaching hasn't even started yet. You know, I was thinking about um, uh, Dalbert, and Dalbert's not here, and so, Dalbert, if you're watching, I'm sorry to talk about you. Or, no, I'm not actually, but I'm going to talk about you anyway. But listen, I, I can remember years ago, Dalbert was not saved, and um, he was, he loves me telling this story, but he was sleeping in, a, in his car, and uh, he actually um, snapped the key off in his car. His car was parked under the, um, in the car park under, um, in the Coles car park at um, Oatley West. Oatley West, Coles car park, little set of shops there, and his car was in, parked under there in Coles, and he was sleeping in the car until he snapped the key off in the lock. His wallet 
Everything was inside the car. His clothes, everything was in the car so he could get nothing out. So now he's stuck on the outside of the car no, with nothing. And so for a few nights, he's sleeping in the park, uh, sleeping on a park bench. And he'd been kind of somewhat homeless, drifting around, couch surfing, car sleeping, park sleeping. And God spoke to him in the park and said, listen, if you don't call your pastor and get it right, things are going to get even worse for you. And so that day he went to a public phone, reverse charges from a phone box to my phone. I'm thinking, who, what, whatever, okay, yeah, I'll accept the charges. And, and so he called me and he, he, he was backslidden and, and I met with him and I went and picked him up and he told me where he was and somehow, somehow identified that park bench and I found him there and he was dirty and disheveled and uh, long fingernails and dirty skin and uh, dirty white jumper. Yeah, yeah like, I doubt it. Goes, oh, no, I wasn't that bad. Yes, you were. You were that bad, let me tell you. Yeah, this white jumper that was, that was grey and so... Uh, you know, what do you expect when you're sleeping on a park bench? That was a, and so anyway, I met with him, prayed with him. I went and bought him lunch and he hadn't eaten for days. And so I bought him lunch and I put it there and he didn't touch it. And I'm like, man, what's, what, just eat. He's like, oh no, it's, it's all right, you know, it's all right. He just rolled it up. And, you know, the, the minute I turned my back, I was like, <laughs> and so prayed with him and, 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 uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of this Dalbert wants me to tell, but I'm going to tell it all anyway. But that night I went, I paid for him to stay in a motel and uh, look after him for a couple of nights. And then I let him come and stay at my house for about two days um, until he got himself sorted out. And uh, I think he ended up living in my house for a year and a half and um, got his life together. And I listen, I can tell you, I met him in the park. We prayed that, that day or the next day. We walked into church together after sweet fellowship. He's now married, kids, serving God, well, mostly in church. You let yourself down tonight, bro. But listen to me, there's an undeniable God factor at work in friendships and fellowship. That you can call somebody, that you can be linked to somebody and say, come and help me, I need you, I need a friend, I need you now, I need somebody to be there for me. And you don't have to live in each other's pockets, but there's an undeniable God factor involved in friendships and fellowship. Verse 18 of the text says, the two of them made a covenant before God. David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his own house. It was friendship and fellowship. Listen, they don't live together. They just encouraged each other, went back to live out their own lives, encouraged to live on and fight again and do the will of God. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Listen, they, are, they were devoted, devoted to fellowship. I wonder tonight, does that describe your Christianity? Does it describe your Christianity? Are you devoted to fellowship? See, the question for you tonight is, when was the last time you invited somebody over? When was the last time? When was the last time you invited somebody over and it was for them and not for you? But you got encouraged anyway. You know, I remember being in fellowship years ago and someone 
someone said to someone said in the I'm, I'm talking I'm going back years ago perhaps 20 years ago I was in a fellowship and someone said where would you go if you were to pioneer and I said, I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest. So I'm telling you, man, it was a Holy Ghost moment. And from then on, I did think about that. And I prayed about that. And it was a God moment. Galatians 2.9 says, When James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and, that, and they to, uh, to the circumcised. And so what he's saying here is, we extended the hand of fellowship to the pillars and to the preachers. To all and in between, we extended the hand of the uh, fellowship uh, uh, to, uh, to pillars and even potential pastors alike, all needed encouragement. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13 says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them, that's the church, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Well, you, you can say it later. But he says, this is a gift. This is the gift of God to man. Let me read it for you again. You might get a little encouraged. It says this, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is the gift of God to man. Listen, fellowship is God's gift to you. You're listening like you hate food. Fellowship is God's gift to you. Listen, get involved with it. Open your house, open your heart, open your spirit. There's a God factor. There's a God factor release. Listen, let me, let me close with this illustration. It's a Christian couple, Kim and Andrew. They met, uh, they met a guy by the name of David here. David was walking by a homeless man out the front of their house. This is in Canada. And uh, they, uh, this man had s stopped to rearrange his homeless trolley out the front of his house. And they came out and they began to talk to him. And uh, they began to ask this guy, David, this homeless guy, like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Where are you going? All these questions. And they got to, to, to get to know him a little bit. They invited him inside. They invited him in for lunch. And they began to talk to him. They found out that this guy, David, was actually, he used to own a petrol station that he once lived comfortably. He said, I had a home, a truck, and I had an income. He said, when the price of gas, petrol significantly rose, he lost the business and eventually lost the entire store. That led to him losing his house and his truck. That's when he went on the road and began walking and God intervened that day when these two, Kim and Andrew, a Christian couple, invited him in for dinner. Over dinner, they got to know him. They let him put his tent in their backyard, helped him get back on his feet again and they became friends and he was greatly or they were greatly encouraged in each other. Listen, there is a supernatural God factor at work when friends will extend the hand of fellowship to each other because listen, God gets involved in that and it is a gift, it is the gift of God to believers. I want to encourage you tonight, friendship and fellowship, make it part of your Christianity. Amen. Let's bow our heads as we close in a word of prayer.